On today's show, we'll be joined by Rockets Wire editor Ben DuBose, the podfather himself, to take a look at the latest reporting from Jonathan Givoni and Bobby Marks from ESPN regarding the rumors and speculations swirling about the top of the NBA draft. We'll also start sharing some thoughts on Paolo Bencaro, his potential fit with the Houston Rockets, some of the names that you should be interested in at pick number 17 and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast and the founder of ClutchCityControlRoom.com. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. As always, we appreciate you making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day, free and available on all platforms. Also on YouTube, just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. All the comments have been incredible. The comments are the best way to help the show. So if you go, if you, even if you don't listen on YouTube, just go comment on YouTube, right? Hashtag 40 algorithm for the team. Shout out to Daniel House, all that good stuff. Now, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Be sure to visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On Sync. Joining us now is none other than the podfather himself, Rockets Wire editor, Ben DuBose. You can follow on Twitter at Ben DuBose. Now, Ben, I've got to know just right here from the jump, man. First, I hope you're doing well. Second, are, are you firmly aboard the, the Bancaro boat? Are you still holding out a little bit of hope here in the, the Jabari jungle? Are you maybe hoping that Chet falls down to number three? Where's your head currently at with the Rockets top draft selection? Yeah, I'm cool with Paolo, and I think he's by far the most likely. I'm still hoping for Chet, because I think with the two-way potential and his length, he offers the most certainty of anyone. I think it's interesting that people talk about him being a, a bust risk because of his frame, which I guess I get it just superficially if you look at the way guys with his body type have fared historically. But I think if you look at his toolbox he's still chet that is has the highest floor of anyone because there are so many different ways he can make an impact and so i'm hoping that maybe there's a chance he gets to three but i think paolo is the most likely i know we're going to get into some of the Jaden ivy reports and maybe he is in consideration for oklahoma city i've also wondered that okc you know everyone looks at them as a wild card because it's sam presti and i think another reason why they're a wild card OKC is such a tough spot, Orlando too for that matter, to truly get a star level player. So if you think someone that has, you know, a higher degree of shot creation like a Paolo Bencaro, like a J Jaden Ivey might translate to actually become a legit number one, even if they certainly have a lower floor than the guys with better defense like Jabari and Chet. Do you, if you're Oklahoma City and Orlando, perhaps consider the higher upside guys because it's so tough? to land a free agent type star there to have a guy or a leverage trade the same situation maybe but by and large i think jabari and chet one two that's where the consensus reporting seems to be so while paolo is not number one on my draft board i'm certainly okay with it by this point 
Yeah, I, I've definitely warmed up to the idea of Paolo Bancaro in a Rockets jersey a bit more as the draft cycle, as the process has kind of gone on. Haven't quite gotten into uh, our specific deep dive here on LOR yet for Paolo Bancaro, but that's coming right around the corner. Now, Ben, we, we got to talk about here this latest report from Jonathan Gavoni and Bobby Marks uh, from over at ESPN and there's a lot of you know a lot of uh, juicy details mm-hmm. from the support as it relates to the Houston Rockets, but we'll just go through a couple of these bullet points here. So the first of which is that Gavoni's hearing that Orlando is locked in on Jabari Smith at number one, but that the Magic are planning to bring in Jabari and Chet mm-hmm. and Palo, all three of them, to kind of get them you know get these workouts going, kind of see who can be the best of these three prospects. So to your point that you just made a moment ago, right? I don't think it's locked in, you know, even though all the signs are pointing towards Jabari at number one, Chet at number two, I don't think anything is completely locked into stone yet until we get to draft night and those selections. Locked into stone. I see what you did there. Mm, Those puns are incredibly delicious. I did not even intend to make that pun. But (laughs) with that, um, right, so there's nothing is a guarantee quite just yet at this point. Uh, but I think the point that is very interesting here, if you are the Houston Rockets, is the fact that Gavoni did rave quite a bit about the idea of a Jaden or a Jalen Green, Jaden Ivy mm-hmm. backcourt duo as quote unquote the most athletic backcourt in the NBA. And he says that teams that he's spoken to don't quite expect that to happen. And at this stage, it feels like Houston is comfortable with Palo. That's the overwhelming expectation around the league. Yep. Ultimately, you know, I, I think that I wonder if this is just a smokescreen bin, like yeah. you know, trying to create a little bit of, you know, maybe a bit of a cloud of dust around what the Rockets are maybe going to do with number three. Because, again, so many of the signs point to it's a three player draft with the three bigs kind of at the top. Depending on who you ask, you might have Paolo Bencaro and Jaden Ivey a bit more closely ranked together like I do personally. I know that Dave Hardesty, clutch fans, has. Jaden Ivey and Paolo Bencaro ranked pretty closely together. Uh, his his and I draft boards have been the same for much of this draft cycle. But the way that I see the Rockets moving with this pick and the selection that I think they would mm-hmm. ultimately make, I just don't see how you walk away taking another guard in Jaden Ivey, even if the idea of pairing him with Jalen Green is exciting. Yeah, I think it is worth noting that there's been some legitimate reporting about Oklahoma City being infatuated with Jaden Ivey, perhaps not at two, but also they could trade down to four with the Kings. That's been reported a couple of places. So if you believe that, then there could be something to the idea that maybe the Rockets are smart to leak interest in Jaden Ivey because it sort of tells Oklahoma City, hey, you can't just trade down and get Jaden Ivey at four or know you're going to get him, get him if that's your guy. You might need to take him at two, and if that's the place, then the Rockets could conceivably have a choice between Paolo and either Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren, whoever would be on the board at two at that point. So there could be some gamesmanship to it. Uh, I do think Ivy is a good enough player that if you are truly convinced that he is the best prospect on the board at three, you take it and worry about the rest later in terms of the fit with Jalen Green, KPJ, Josh Christopher, the guards you already have in place. I agree that in the perfect world, you go with the balance of adding a front court player at this pick, but it's one of those things. The bar is very high for Jaden Ivey, but at the same time, if he clears it through his interviews, the film work you do on him, any private workouts, again, I personally don't think it's going to be Jaden, but I would not close that door. I, I tend to agree with you. That's a very high bar, but I don't think it's, you know, completely out of the realm of possibility. So I'm open-minded to it. And I do think that in general, the Rockets are going to keep, 
an open mind. I think Paolo, you know, the reporting from Giovanni was that it was sort of the overwhelming expectation around the league. And I think at the end of the day, that's probably where we're going to end up. But if there's one thing that the Rockets are known for in the Raphael Stone era, it's leaving no stone unturned. That pun actually was intended. And because obviously I have no shame. And so I think that even if Paolo's sort of the favorite to be on the board and everyone is sort of putting him there in the mock drafts, they'll look at Ivy. And I still think they'll look at trades too, for that matter. Because, you know, one of the interesting discussions on Twitter in recent days, recent weeks, really, ever since the season ended, has been about the timeline for the Rockets. And well, if you want them to conceivably be in the play-in mix next season, which I personally don't think they will be or need to be, but I've seen some talking about, do they try and make a move forward next year, Jalen Green, year two? And one of the pushbacks to that is there are so many good teams in the league right now. Who is Houston going to jump? And the counter to that that I would point out is that if there are so many teams that are trying to win right now, and you have a really strong 2023 draft class, could there be an unexpected seller or two somewhere around the NBA that says, hey, the odds aren't good for us next year either. We might be heading towards a rebuild cycle, and someone comes available on the trade market that we're not thinking of right now, and that team says, you know what, I'll go into a mini rebuild in which, you know, we get this number three pick this year and then we position ourselves potentially because most rookies aren't that good immediately to be higher in the 2023 draft class as well. I'm not saying I think that's going to happen. I'm not saying uh, any specific names because, you know, at this point, it's like throwing darts at a dartboard. But I do think that the market is so unsettled that I think there's, you know, more stones to be unturned to go back to that pun than what a lot of Rockets fans are looking uh, at at the moment. And while I do think that Paolo is clearly the favorite, I think they'll do their homework on everything else. You know, on the back end over here, peek behind the curtain, I was getting ready to Google uh, just rock puns, and I was going to see how many I could squeeze into the episode yep. uh, as we're navigating this. But I felt like I couldn't do that in good faith. I'll do that in a later episode and just kind of see how many I can subtly throw in there. But uh, coming up, I do want to discuss uh, the name that is kind of circulating at pick number three for the Rockets. Get some of your thoughts, Ben, on Paolo Bancaro, as well as some of the names floating around 17 that you'd have True. interest in if you were the Houston Rockets. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's basically impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that your car or truck would, would happen need. You can save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the exact same parts from a chain store or new car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business as well, right? They've been serving do-it-yourselfers online for over 20 years years. The prices are always reliably low for every single customer. They're not going to price gouge you just because you're a DIY person, right? Which is how it should be. You shouldn't have to pay more. Go explore their easy to use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure there's a really important part. Be sure to write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need. Be sure to visit rockauto.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making LOR your first listen each and every day. But right now, we have a very important favor to ask of you, our listener. 
basically we need you to take a survey. The surveys are sometimes not fun, but the survey is a ton of fun because it's a way for you to tell us what you like and what you don't like about your favorite locked on podcast. So about this, well, I hope this is your favorite locked on podcast, but Tell us what you like about uh, what you like, what you don't like. Go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. Doesn't take very long. And everybody that completes a survey gets a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. So go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey right now. We appreciate your feedback, your input, all that good stuff. Now, continuing on with the podfather himself, Ben DuBose. Again, Ben, right now, it's not a it's not a certainty yet, but a lot of the signs are pointing towards Palo, Palo Bancaro in a Rockets jersey. H- how have you how are you feeling about Palo Bancaro? Have you warmed up the, to the idea of him in a Rockets jersey? Are you optimistic about what he could bring to the table for this team? Just give me your general thoughts on Bancaro as as a prospect. Yeah, I really like him in terms of a shot creator in the front court. I know that's something that this iteration of the Rockets front office prioritizes a lot, shot creation, and he's really, really good at that. He can make things happen in so many ways, not just in terms of creating offense for himself, but also the way he passes is very rare for a big man. I love the Chris Webber comparison. It isn't perfect, but you can see that for those of us like myself that are old enough to have watched a lot of 90s NBA, you can see some of the younger Chris Webber trends in Paolo Bancaro and I love his offensive toolbox. I love the way he carries himself. I think the comparison that Kelly Eco threw out in The Athletic a few weeks ago, um, or or not really a comparison, but just saying that uh, Paolo and Jalen Green have similar magnetic personalities that could be dynamic in a few years for the Rockets when it comes to recruiting free agents. We know that's something this franchise has done in the past and will do in the future, just based on the pedigree, the market size, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it checks a lot of boxes. Uh, The one thing I'm nervous about is the defensive end of the floor. Not so much worried about the effort issues because certainly um, a lot of guys, especially those that have very high workloads at the NCAA level, tend to, especially when they're freshmen, to sort of take off one side of the floor. Um, it's not great, but it's a relatively small sample. And the first year, they've had a huge workload. I'm, I actually think the tools are there uh, for him to be more on the perimeter, but he doesn't offer much in the way of rim protection. And so I do wonder about the fit with Alperin Shingun or Christian Wood, for that matter. But I think a lot of people have come to the conclusion in Rockets Twitter that Christian Wood's days in Houston are not uh, very long at this point. Um I did like what we saw from Usman Garuba at the end of the season. I think potentially that could be a good pairing. Um, But compared to Chet, who has been my guy all along, or Jabari, Jabari not quite the same, because Jabari, almost a wing, you could say, in terms of uh, the way his skill set works. But um, I I would just say with Paolo, very optimistic about what he can provide offensively. And then defensively, I think he'll be a better switch defender than people think. I think he's pretty versatile, but I do wonder where they're going to get the rim protection, and maybe that plays into pick 17. Maybe it plays into more Garuba. Maybe it plays into something down the line. It's just for you to win a championship with Paolo Bancaro in the front court. my guess is that at some point you're going to have to flank him with a bit more rim protection at the five. Do I see that as a huge hurdle? No, but it's just something that... I guess what I would say is that building around Paolo Bencaro, there's slightly less optionality than there is with Chet or even Jabari, because with Chet and Jabari, they do so many different things in terms of two-way play that you have a lot more options with filling out the rest of your roster. With Paolo, there are going to be certain things you need uh, to make it work with him, and so that's sort of the downside. 
But at the end of the day, I don't think rim protectors are that rare. That is a skill you can find at defensive-minded five. You may already have it in Usman Garuba, who unfortunately by injury just didn't get to play next year. And if you can solve that issue, if you can solve, you know, the issue of not having rim protection at the four with Paolo Bencaro there, then yeah, offensively, he's as talented as any player in this draft and can potentially be the, you know, option A or, you know, I guess option, you know, 1.5 with Jalen Green here in Houston. And so, you know, I love his fit offensively. I love his character, his makeup. Uh, defensively, there's the obvious limitation, but if you can work around that, uh, I like him a lot. You know, I kept, especially earlier on in the draft cycle, one of the reasons that I was more like lowest on Paolo and have since again warmed up to him is I started looking more at him from a less so of like the primary number one option offensively because I had just these like terrible visions of like, oh, what if he turns into like one of those inefficient bigs, like the three-point shot never like actually translates and he's got the interior game, sure, but he just, you know, you can't effectively run an offense through him because he just doesn't have like the the well-rounded offensive game, right? And I think I was just undervaluing his playmaking a lot as I started revisiting more film and looking at what he really brought to the table. And if we're willing to give, say, Chet, like the benefit of the doubt offensively as somebody who's not necessarily going to be a play starter, somebody you put the ball in his hands and say, all right, go get us a bucket, but somebody who can be that connective tissue piece offensively, I don't see why Paolo can't also be that piece mm. on offense, even at his worst, right? Like maybe mm. he's not ever going to ascend and be like a, a, you know, a tier one superstar, whatever, but I think his playmaking gives him flexibility yeah. offensively to still be a guy that, especially if you're imagining like him being able to play off of guys like Jalen Green, like Alperin Shingun, like Kevin Porter Jr., being able to create and read within the offense, even if he doesn't necessarily ever become a knockdown yeah. three-point shooter or the consistent go-to bucket getter, you know, and, and, still and by the a way, high ceiling. And by the way, it's worth noting when you look back at some of his high school footage, when he used to play at like 230, 240, he was a bit more of a wing back then. So even though now people have this idea because everyone watched him at Duke of him being, you know, 6'10", 255, and just this, you know, old school post player in terms of at least how his body looks. Now, of course, he has more creation ability and handles than the traditional guy with that type of NBA body, but he has fairly recently, we're talking one to two years, played a lot lighter, a lot more like a wing. So I do think that gives you more options in his toolbox, if you will, for how you can play him. And if one avenue doesn't work, then there's other skills that he has to fall back on. And that's why I said earlier in the show about his passing being so important, because it's not just like he's creating shots for himself and nothing else. The things that he can do to facilitate for others in the team are big as well. So I feel pretty good that is there going to be a learning curve? Yes, but he has enough diversity in terms of the skills that he has in his toolbox to fall back on and enough different ways that he has succeeded, including a lighter model, a heavier model, that you're going to find success with him on offense. I'm not worried about that. You know, it's it's funny. A lot of people don't find success when they are, you know, in their heavy heavier model phases. <laughs> yeah, but um, it, it's, it's nice that Paolo's found that success throughout his career. You know, it's so crazy, Ben, when we look at these top four prospects, and I do say top four because even though a lot of people have boiled it down to it being a three-player draft, I think you've still got to kind of include Jaden Ivey's name right mm -hmm. here along with the other three bigs, is you look at the first two guys on, on the, the majority of everybody's boards, Jabari, Chet. Those two guys aren't necessarily, again, your, your go, your, you know, go get you a bucket, shot creators, whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And then you look at Paolo and Jay Nivey and they're the complete inverse. They are the guys that you can put the rock in there right. and say, Hey, go, go create offense for us. We're going to run the offense through you. And I do wonder how much that plays into the arguments for people as far as best player available versus fit weighing the idea of a player who at their, you know, in a vacuum on an individual level, you can just give the ball to and say, go get us a bucket, right? Because we can look back at this last year's playoffs and to the quote that I think it was John Morant, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm. When asked about the final play of, I forget if it was game four, game five, which game it was in the, the Warriors Grizzlies series. But so a reporter asked him what the play was that was drawn up at the end of the game for him to go get the game winning bucket mm. or the, you know, the, the attempt, the game winning bucket. And Josh said, just go get a bucket. Like that's what it boiled down to. And at the end of the day, that's what so much of the league boils down to. We just saw it in game seven war uh, game seven Celtics heat where Jimmy Butler got the rebound was in transition, you know, had every opportunity to take the game winning shot or go secure a, 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 you know, a bucket for the tie and players like that you know, the ability to put the ball on the floor and go create something either for yourself or for your team should be weighed pretty heavily. But then when you also look at the skills that the other guys at the top of the draft, the Jabari's, the Chets, right, the shooting, the defense, the the hustle, the intensity, the size, like all these other variables that aren't necessarily, all right, put the ball in their hands, they're going to go do something. It's just, I just find it very interesting yeah. how we all kind of weigh those different traits separately and, and how some are more important than others to on an individual basis. And I find it very interesting within the composition of the top four as well, because Houston at three is one team that clearly already has one of those certified bucket getters in Jalen Green, whereas Orlando, I would say, definitely doesn't really have one of those guys. Uh, OKC, they do have SGA, although... Perhaps Shea could be in that model of what I was saying in segment one as far as guys who aren't really fitting the timeline of their current team and, you know, would their team consider doing something drastic with a young star? Again, we're all just sort of guessing at this point, but other than maybe SGA, OKC certainly doesn't have it, and both Orlando and OKC are spots where they're not traditionally very sexy destinations for free agents or trades. So for that type of player that has that type of box office brand, because that's what often accompanies the guys who are the bucket getters, if you will, uh, does that make them, those teams, more likely to gamble on that in the draft? Whereas the team at three, Houston, historically, is the one that has had success finding those bucket getters in other ways. And they already have one in Jalen green. So does it make it more likely that someone falls to Houston or the flip side that maybe it, it sort of greases the wheels for a trade in which Houston can move up to, you know, two or one for, I don't know what the price would be, but to get Jabari or Chet because Houston with Jalen Green and their market has the luxury of not having to get a bucket getter in this case. Not saying I'm anti-Paolo, I'm not. I'm just sort of looking at it through a slightly different lens of what you were just discussing, which is that you know this bucket getter versus two-way all-around production, it's interesting in terms of what we each prioritize. And it's also interesting within the construct of the top four, because you could argue that the teams that are one and two have the most specific needs in that area. Absolutely. No. And that's, that's one of my immediate reactions when we found out the draft order right after the NBA draft lottery was so many people were already painting it as if again, Paolo Bancaro was, you know, in a Rockets Jersey, getting jump shots yeah. up at Toyota center. And I was like, well, pump yeah, the ice saw- here because yep. Orlando could very well be in need of a bucket getter because yep. they don't have a tier one guy. They don't got they don't have a go to option. So it, it is going to be very interesting to see 
how these different, you know, permutations, possible trade-ups, trade-downs, different scenarios play out, which is why we do nothing but speculate in the months, you know, in the month leading up to the draft, because it's all fun to talk about. But speaking of fun to talk about, Ben, I want to get your thoughts on some of the guys uh, that are going to be potentially floating around. Pick number 17, the ones that you have the most interest in. Yeah. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, the playoffs, esports, the NBA draft, and more. And speaking of the NBA draft, right now you can go to Bet Online to see who is the odds on favorite to be the number one overall selection in this year's NBA draft. Right now, Jabari Smith Jr. is the favorite at minus. 250 Chet Holmgren at plus 190 and then a distant third Paolo Bancaro at plus 900 so for that and more head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you bet online it's where the game starts And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making LOR your first listen each and every single day. For your second listen, go check out the Locked on NBA Big Board podcast hosted by Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter. He's joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA draft, mock draft, player rankings, and of course, big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast, wherever you listen to this podcast. Now, Ben... I know that it's not a given that the Rockets are going to make that selection at 17. They could trade up. They could trade back. They could trade completely out of the draft for all we know. But should the Rockets still be on the board at pick number 17? Who are a few of the names that you really hope are still there for them to have their choice of selection at that number? Yeah. So one of the things that I'm looking for is flexibility because while at pick three, I'm best player available, at pick 17, it's a lot more complicated. I'm not necessarily drafting for need from the perspective of what are the Rockets going to get on the court next season because this team is not going to be a contender barring something crazy. So it's not drafting for need in the traditional sense. However, I do think if you keep that pick at 17, you do have to consider fit in the grand scheme because – so much of what happens with that player is dependent on whether you have a path to actually develop them. An analogy we've used a lot in the past on this show, going back to my days, is you know a draft pick that's used, it's like a new car being taken off the lot in that the pick vaguely has so much value in the abstract that it does when right after you make it and then you start seeing the actual player and whatever his flaws are. And while, you know, maybe for like half a year, you can put a guy like that in the G league. At the end of the day, you want the guy to play to maintain not just his trade value, but overall his value as a basketball player and to continue developing. He needs NBA minutes. And so one of the things that I look at is where can this guy potentially fill a need on this team? Maybe not day one, Maybe it takes till half the year until you eventually move out Eric Gordon and the time is right, something like that. But who can eventually have a role that can give them a chance to step into the rotation and develop? Because if you draft a guy at the pick that's just going to get slotted behind all the guys you already have in place, then even if they're a good player, they're going to lose their value just strictly as an asset because teams aren't going to view it in the light that you want, if all they're doing is at the G League level. And, you know, an example I would talk about, especially with 
I'm sure you saw the recent podcast that Jonathan Fagan did with Dave Harvesty at Clutch Fans, in which Fagan mentioned the Rockets viewing Dacian Nix as almost being like a lottery pick. And of course, he looked very good in the G League last year. Well, if they view Nix in that high of a regard, and, and there's a case for it, Let, let's be real, if not for his weight issues, he would have been a, a top prospect coming out of high school, then you've got KPJ, you've got Jalen Green, you've got Josh Christopher, you've got Dacian Nix. Even if we don't count Eric Gordon because of his age, your backcourt is quite full already. And so someone that's limited to one position like a Ty Ty Washington, where you've already got a lot of minutes occupied for the foreseeable future, I'm not going to say there's no case for it, but you would have to really, really believe in that guy. And, you know, I made that argument earlier, like with Jaden versus Paolo and saying that, you know, hey, there is a case for Jaden, but, you know, there's a higher bar he needs to meet. Well, that bar in this case is really, really high at 17 to where if there's not a clear pathway for that guy to get minutes. So long story short, I look at guys that potentially have a lot of flexibility and can be used in different ways. Uh, Tari Eason is someone that's jumped off the page to me, a guy with that type of defense that can guard a lot of different positions. There's different roles that you can plug him into for a team and he can still uh, provide value to you. That's something that I see. I guess less flexible with style, but if you get Ben Caro, and I do think we should point out that 17 should be tied to three in many ways because the player you get at three then will dictate what the opportunities are elsewhere. And let's say that Ben Caro is a rocket, which is everyone's projection, it feels like these days, then I could see if his teammate, Mark Williams, is on the board at 17. He could potentially give you an element of rim protection. I know we said we're hoping to get it from Garuba, but if you have a chance to get a guy like Mark Williams, who's measurable, so just off the charts, then you take a question mark and you turn it into what should be something close to a certainty. You give yourself multiple options in terms of that rim protector role that you probably need when you're putting your front court around um, Paolo Bancaro. And I'm sure some will say, well, Ben, is Mark Williams going to be on the board at 17? That's one of my things about Twitter that drives me nuts is saying, oh, so-and-so is never going to be on the board at 17. Dude, there have been at least 25 players that people have said are not going to be on the board at 17. The thing is, everybody gets carried away with you know two or three different guys to the point where, in their mind, they're convinced that this guy's never going to be there. But in many cases, some of these guys are going to fall, just like Shingun last year. Nobody thought Shingun was going to be on the board at 16, and then he was, and the Rockets were able, thankfully, to, uh, to trade up for that pick. So... I would say, you know, Eason because of the flexibility, uh, Mark Williams because he provides you um, with that level of rim protection. Looking at the aggregate mock draft, um, I would say Beauchamp coming out of the G League. He's someone that intrigues me because of, uh, in some ways, very similar to Eason in terms of uh, multi-position versatility. I would say that's where I'm looking uh, for the most part. I would say maybe, maybe a boggy when it comes to uh, shooting, that's something that even if defensively the role is fairly similar, shooting always transfers. I would just say that for me at this point, without knowing pick three and without knowing the board, I'm less focused on who the best player is and I'm more focused on who has the most either diversity of skills or or the type of skill like the shooting or the rim protection that is so important that it's always going to play. Because the Rockets are at a point now, you know, we mentioned the guards. You can say the same thing about the forwards if you add Van Caro, and then you have uh, Jay Sean Tate, KJ Martin. You've got so many guys you're already trying to find minutes for. 
at some point you've got to what if you make this pick how is this guy going to develop to maintain or maybe we get lucky and he bolsters his value and so that's what i'm looking at to me is either the the most diversity of skills or a skill that's just so important or so necessary on this team that it's clearly going to have a role you know, it's so funny as you were naming off your your names at 17. I was like, like you ticked every single name that I was going to bring up, uh, except for the only one you didn't mention that I would that what I would have also included is uh, Nikola Jovic as well. Mm. He's the other one that I'm I'm very intrigued by at 17. I'm surprised you reached for for Marjan Beauchamp because I, I I feel like he's the one that most people are kind of lower on at potentially like going at 17. I feel like I'm one of the few people that's really high on his skill set, what he brings to the table. I think he could be like a phenomenal like potentially like defensive ace and his yeah, athleticism out of this world like yeah so yeah uh, yeah exactly i mean if we're talking as we did earlier about like defensive versatility then Beauchamp is one of those guys that is at the top of the list if we're talking about Tari Eason you, you should be talking about Beauchamp as well because it's a very similar dynamic in terms of ability to have a lot of toughness defensive versatility guard different positions yeah that's something that as of now, will translate. I, I will say that, again, it's tough to have a firm opinion, at least I find it to be, on 17 without knowing for sure who you take at three. Because, And then also any other trades you make. You know, one interesting storyline, and I know you're going to cover this a lot over the next month, is the timing of any moves the Rockets make with their veterans, Christian Wood, Eric Gordon. My guess is that the Rockets try to have a resolution one way or another by draft time because you know if they wait until july a lot of the suitors for a christian wood may dry up because they're gonna have an opportunity to fill that hole in free agency instead and i think the rockets would also be incentivized to make any moves involving their veterans by draft night so that they have a better picture going into pick three pick 17 any others that they may have uh of what holes they need to fill and what the available minutes are as they go through the exercise that we just went through so because of that, I think there's going to be sort of a force for Raphael Stone to try and, you know, get deals done one way or another to get some resolution by draft night. And then at that point, I think it's a lot easier to have a better take, uh, a stronger take, not a better take, a stronger take on what they should do with 17. Absolutely. No, this this roster is in desperate need of some consolidation, consolidation. given yep. the fact that they've got two more potential picks incoming, any potential moves past that, the veterans, all this. So I think we're we're in store for an exciting few weeks here leading up to the NBA draft. But Ben, last thing here before we let you go, you, my good friend, have a brand new podcast. Why oh, yeah. Tell our listeners about it. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, so the Logger line, uh, sponsored by 790 and Carbach Brewing, and the idea was during the offseason to have this as a place for uh, Rockets-related interviews. Mostly people from the org. We started off with Gretchen Shearer, president of basketball operations, then did Craig Ackerman. We've got a few others throughout the summer. I think, I think people will find even more value from the series, by the way after the draft and free agency because there's some guys I want to get from the org itself that are kind of busy right now let's say but that you know their schedules will free up a little bit more as we get later into the offseason but basically a way that we can provide some Rockets content during the offseason and of course in terms of lining up interviews it helps uh, being affiliated with 790 and Carbach uh, to partners of the Rockets so we're getting regular guests as much as we can but we're also doing some media guests we had Kelly Eco of The Athletic last week because he was following the Rockets at the draft combine we're going to have uh, David Hardesty of Clutch Fans later this week or early next week talking about some of the things that Clutch Fans is doing now and has done throughout the uh, 
entire history of, uh, well, not entire history, but modern history of Houston Rockets basketball. And so, yeah, the logger line, uh, funny story about it. It's been so long, really, I hadn't done my own podcast since, you know, my days of doing Locked on Rockets, which I did until handing it to you in August of 2019. Um I had forgotten even how to submit all of my podcasts. You know, 790 has got its own platform, or iHeartRadio does, through uh, Spreaker. But then to submit it to, you know, iTunes and, uh, you know, Google Podcasts and Spotify and it's a lot. You know, the whole nine <laughs> yards. Yeah, it's a lot. It's funny. Like, the first episode with Gretchen, the story itself had pretty good views. But, like, the podcast itself, you know, the, the listens were a little underwhelming. And, you know, I tried to dig into it. And I was like, because I think it was pretty good content. And I was like, oh, wait, I haven't submitted this, you know, at all. And then as soon as I submitted, uh, it corrected itself pretty quickly. And then the show's been doing, you know, even better as it's gotten, you know, more of an audience and a couple more episodes in the archives now with Craig Ackerman and Kelly Eco. But yeah, it's been a learning experience because I've been, you know, out of the game for almost three years. And so starting again, I even forgot I had to do, you know, iTunes, Google, all that stuff. But as of now, we're set up on all the big platforms. We're good to go. So yeah, uh, the logger line, most recent episode with Kelly Eco, and we should have something with uh, Dave Hardesty uh, in the next few days. And of course, everybody can follow your amazing Rockets coverage over at USA Today's Rockets Wire, right? Yep. Uh, the Rockets Wire on Twitter, uh, rocketswire.usatoday.com. And of course, me at Ben Dubose on Twitter. You've got to be sure to check out both of those locations for Ben's consistently fantastic Rockets coverage. Ben, always a pleasure to have you back on the program. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for today's episode discussing just general draft thoughts, the latest on what the Houston Rockets are doing and any potential moves they may or may not make, some of the names that you should be interested in as Rockets fans. But as always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also, check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube. Search Locked on Rockets, like, comment, subscribe, all that good stuff. Let us know how you feel about our conversation. How do you feel about Paolo Bancaro? Are you basically just dead set on him being a Houston Rocket? Let me know in the YouTube comments. I read each and every one of those every single day. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.